Welcome to Mars Messina Presents. I am Mars, and today is Saturday, June 12th, 2021. And the topic of episode 10 is true crime. And our subject is the unsolved murders of the two girls in Delphi, Indiana. You may have heard of this case. It remains unsolved. So on February 14th, 2017, the bodies of Abigail Williams, who is known as Abby, and Liberty German, who is known as Libby, were discovered off of a hiking trail in Delphi, Indiana, after the young girls disappeared from the same trail the previous day. And just so you know, it is pronounced Delphi and not Delphi. Delphi, Indiana. So like I said, the mystery surrounding the murders of Libby German and Abby Williams remains unsolved. Uh, These girls, they were 13 and 14 years old, and they had disappeared from the trail the previous day, which was uh, Monday, February 13th, and that was a snow day at school. So this was a planned day off. Uh, Libby, with with whatever wherewithal she had, wow, she actually managed to record a video of the suspect who's come to be known as Bridge Guy, or BG for short. And Bridge Guy is considered to be the prime suspect in the murders. So two years later, on April 22nd, 2019, Indiana State Police held a press conference in which they released new audio, a short video, as well as a new sketch of the suspect. Um, And that second sketch was made at the same time as the first sketch, but they only released the first sketch. And then two years later, they did this about face and released this second sketch. And they're saying this is now the primary person of interest in the case. And it is not currently known whether or not police possess DNA from the suspect or what was the cause of death. Now, there are people, there's so many um, interviews and podcasts and and, uh, different types of um, conversations with law enforcement where there's been leaked that there's possibly touch trace DNA but we really, really don't know what the police have. But the police are insisting that this is not a cold case, even though it's four years later and no arrest has been made in the slayings. And police have mainly have stayed tight-lipped about the case. They've really played their knowledge close to the chest. Very little has been, very little info has been released on this case. In case, I mean, and this is a remote case, um, in the remote outside chance, you know who Bridge Guy is. You can submit a tip by email, which is Abby and Libby tip at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F dot com. And I think that stands for Carroll County Sheriff. So Abby and Libby tip at C-A-C-O-C-H, I'm, I'm sorry, S-H-R-F dot com. 
The tip line is 844-459-5786. I will repeat this at the end of today's show. So I'm going to give you a little bit of timeline and background on these girls. So Libby and Abby, they were, um, like I said, 13 and 14 years old and really popular uh, students. They were very exceptional students. They did really well in school. And I believe they were volleyball players and softball players. They were really into everything. And they were the best of friends. So if one girl was doing something, the other girl was right along with her. And um, they seemed to have a really bright future ahead of both of them. Liberty was probably the more outgoing of the two, uh, the more gregarious. Um, But they had the same kind of mind and were basically soulmates, according to the people who knew them. So going back to Monday, February 13th, 2017, like I said, it was a snow day at school. So the girls had a day off um, and they were wondering what they were going to do. So they asked their older, or Liberty asked her older sister if she would drop her off at what is called the Delphi Historic Trails. And they were going to just mess around like kids do over on the hiking trails, and they were supposed to be picked up later that afternoon by another family member. Now at 2.07, so this is less than an hour later, 2.07 p.m., Libby posted a Snapchat photo of Abby walking across the bridge. Now this was significant in that um, the bridge over by these trails, it's called the Monon High Bridge, and A lot of kids like to cross this bridge, but it's one of those places you're really, you really shouldn't go and it really should have been blocked off um, because it was a very old rickety bridge that was beginning to fall apart. And um, it was just one of those um, come of age type of dares, like let's walk on this bridge. And it's something that Libby had done quite often, but Abby was forbidden to go up on that bridge. So they were having this really kind of monumental moment with Abby crossing the bridge for the first time and Libby's taking pictures um, of her doing this. And they're just being girls and having fun and talking about the things that girls do. Now at 20.20 p.m., about 13 minutes later, Libby video records a man making his way across the bridge toward them. Now at this point at 20:20 p.m. the girls are at the end of the bridge and there's nowhere to go. You you end up um at the I guess it's the southern end, end of this bridge and then you're going into very wooded area that is also private property. You're not supposed to be there. So the right thing to do is to turn around and go back. But if there's somebody crossing the bridge, this is how narrow the bridge is. You've got to wait for them, for this third person to cross, because you can't go past him. There's no railings or walls or anything on the side. And it's about, this bridge is about 70 feet above a creek. And you'll kill yourself or get hurt, seriously, if you fall off this bridge. Plus the... um, the rail ties um, that were there, a lot of them were missing. You had to really be careful walking across this bridge. So 
they were waiting for this guy to either turn around or to keep walking off into private property, but something else happened. Now, around 3 p.m., so we're talking 40 minutes later, Libby's dad arrives at the trailhead to pick them up and bring them home, and he's calling Libby's phone, and he's calling and calling, and his phone, his, uh, phone calls keep going to voicemail. They're unanswered. So he and other family members and friends went looking for the girls, and they could not find them. So around 5.30 p.m., the families of the girls called the police and when they couldn't find them, and it was an official case at this point, they reported them missing. But at first, the authorities didn't initially suspect foul play. They figured, well, maybe one of them is twisted an ankle and it's just a matter of us finding them um, on the trail, or maybe they just sauntered off and went to a friend's house. It's a day off. This is something kids do. We're not too worried. Okay, so law enforcement with volunteers, uh, they searched the wooded area around the trail until it became too dark to do so. Now, family members and a few other volunteers decided to stay out and keep looking until around midnight and nothing was turning up. And I think I even heard that there were a few, very few more people who remained out till about 2.33 a.m. trying to find the girls. Now, on February 14th, 2017, a Tuesday, the official search was resumed around 10 a.m. Now, at approximately 12.15 p.m., volunteers discovered two bodies around 50 to 60 feet above Deer Creek's shoreline on private property in a very wooded area. The way I heard it was one of the guys in this little search group noticed two deer, okay? He noticed these two deer and he was, they were just kind of milling around this, this little area. So he took a closer look to see what the deers were doing and that's when he saw the bodies and these bodies were half a mile to a three-quarters mile upstream from Monon High Bridge on the north bank of Deer Creek in a heavily wooded area. So the last time anyone knew where they were, they were at the very south end of the bridge. So what would have happened is they would have left the bridge on the south side, somehow crossed the creek, and then ended up north of the bridge on the other side of the creek in private property in a very heavily wooded area. So now at this point, the FBI was called. So you had local authorities, you had Indiana State Police, and now you have the FBI on this case. Okay, so um, next day, Wednesday, February 15th, at 8 a.m., an autopsy is performed on these two bodies in Terre Haute, Indiana and the bodies were officially identified as Libby and Abby, and the case was now called double homicide. The cause of death, like I said, is still not released, Um, but law enforcement officers release a photo of a man on Delphi Historic Trail near the Monon High Bridge, and this grainy image depicts a Caucasian man, 
His head is down and his hands are in his pocket and he's walking. Now, police don't say why, but they say that this is the prime suspect in the killings. Now the FBI is cornered off the crime scene and they're collecting evidence um, on February 15th. Very next day, February 16th, it's a Thursday, a tip line is set up. Now, Doug Carter from Indiana State Police, he's the superintendent, he says, for, he's asking the public to look at this picture of this guy and to focus on his clothes. Don't focus on his face because you can barely see it and it's a very grainy image. Look at his clothes. Do you recognize those clothes? <clears throat> so Bridge Guy, um, who is the suspect in this photo, they want you to look at his jeans, look at his jacket, his sweatshirt, shirt tail, posture, the right hand in his pocket, does this look like somebody to you that you know? Also, they want you to think about people who have been, who have had changes in their behavior over the last couple days. Um, have they changed their appearance? Have they changed their sleep patterns since the murder? Have they canceled appointments on the day of the murder? Did they miss work? Think about these things. Maybe this is someone you know. Now, Additionally, an audio recording is released, and it's just a little bit, but it's a man's voice saying, <clears throat> down the hill. And this is the only part of the recording that is released, but they do confirm that there's more audio and video that can be released. But all we see is a still picture of this man and his voice saying, down the hill. February 22nd, law enforcement confirms that the audio and video is taken from Libby's phone. So Libby, um, she was really a remarkable kid. She was also a true crime fan, and she was able to keep her wits about her as this man is approaching her. She just knew she ought to film him. So she video records him in secret. She keeps her phone very close to her body and low, and she, she records him. So police say there is additional evidence from Libby's phone, but they're not releasing it. And now the public wants to know, is there more than one person involved? I mean, how can one guy take, you know, take over two girls, two teenage girls, and um, who could be screaming or fighting? How, how can this happen? And at this point, they're saying it's possible that one more than one person is involved. And they're saying that nothing is off the table regarding whether the perpetrator is local or not. But they are saying there's no indication that this is a serial killer. There's signatures, if you will, at the crime scene, which they don't disclose. But they're comparing it to um, serial killers in the area, and they're not seeing any correspondence, no correlation. So no indication of a serial killer at this point. But they do offer a reward of $41,000. March 9th, same year. Now the family members of Libby have a press conference. So Mike Patty, that's Liberty's, Liberty's um, grandfather, he speaks and he says 
that there is evidence that the one of the girls could have gotten away, but these girls would never leave each other's side. So, um, and police later on say that Abby is a hero because I guess the killer zeroed in on Libby, but and Abby could have run, but she didn't. She turned around and she came back and ended up getting killed with her friend. Um, so everybody's calling Abby a hero at this point, but both girls. Libby for making the recording and leaving that kind of great evidence, and Abby for not abandoning her friend and choosing death rather than leaving her friend out there alone with this killer. So uh, Mike Patty goes on to say that every single tip is checked. So if you're calling in and you say, hey, I know this, that, and the other, and then you don't hear back from police, a lot of people think, well, they just ignored me. And that's not true. Every single tip is being checked. And that's actually true today in 2021. Every tip remains checked. Now we jump to July 17th of 2017. Law enforcement releases a composite sketch. Now a composite sketch is a sketch that is based on eyewitness memory. And the sketch was a composite of people who were coming forward with tips, but also investigative work. Law enforcement thinks that the sketch is important because it gives a better view of the man on the bridge in the photo. But again, they say do not focus on the hat and the sketch because a lot of people were saying, oh, doesn't that look like a page boy's hat? And who has one of those? Oh, doesn't this guy have one of those? No, don't, don't focus on his hat. Focus on his face. Now, Apparently, there, was, um, there were other people at the bridge that day, even though no one had seen or heard the murder. There were other people who um, got a good look or a fairly good look at who they thought was the bridge guy. And one of them says that the suspect has reddish brown hair and his eyes were definitely not blue. Now, Law enforcement doesn't want to say who this person is, this witness, but there's been all kinds of news leaked. And this is believed to be a female photographer who was taking nature photos that day and um, encountered a guy that she got the creeps from. So she got out of there right away. And then there was a, a couple that was apparently arguing, a man and a woman, and the man got a pretty good look at bridge guy and uh but the women the woman he was with did not um so there were a few people who possibly maybe kind of saw somebody that day but had no idea that he had just murdered two girls or was about to now that leaves us with no identity and police want to know who he is So the balance of the year goes by without news. And then on February 13th, 2018 is the one year anniversary and a press conference is held. And it's held by the trail not far from where the girls were found. Doug Carter, again, the superintendent of ISP or Indiana State Police, 
He says that they spent time with Daniel Nations. Now, Daniel Nations is a repeat offender who's known to the community. So the community, you know, it's a, a pretty small community. And they were like, look at Daniel Nations. Are you going after Daniel Na- Nations? Why have you not arrested Daniel Nations? And Doug Carter is now saying, we've spent time with him. Okay, now at this point, Nations is in Colorado. Um, he was in Delphi, but now he's in Colorado. And law enforcement is now saying they don't care a whole lot about him at this time. That time being February 13th, 2018. Doug Carter goes on to say that they are one piece of, of the puzzle away from putting this case together and then the real work begins. Carter goes on to say that he's traveled the country with Mike and Becky Patty, and those are uh, Libby's grandparents, trying to get the word out, trying to keep this case focused upon. Um, we gotta, we gotta get justice for these little girls. There's somebody out there who's killing little girls. Let's get them. Now, a reporter asks law enforcement if they can clear anyone. And the response at this time is that law enforcement feels confident that the people they talked to were not involved. And they say, if you know who was involved in this murder, law enforcement can and will protect you. So there were a lot of people saying, man, you know, there's probably people who know who this guy is, but it's, it's their wife or it's their brother and either they're covering for him or they, they themselves are afraid of him. Well, law enforcement is saying, just do the right thing. Give us your information and we'll take care of you. This goes unanswered. Now we're in 2019. So on April 19th, 2019, law enforcement announces a new direction in the case and they call a press conference for April 22nd. Now this is big news because a long time has gone on without any news and now they're announcing a new direction in the case. They must know something. So everybody tunes in. So at this press conference on February, I'm sorry, April 22nd, 2019, like the entire town shows up to this place. Like it is wall-to-wall people. There's even people standing outside. And definitely everyone else in the town is listening on the TV. So law enforcement wants to identify the driver of a vehicle parked at the old CPS building on February 13th between of 2017 between noon and 5 p.m. So this is new news. What is what is this car? Who is this car belong to? What color is this car? They don't say. But there's a car that was parked for about five hours um, right at the time that Libby and Abby disappeared and were murdered. And they'd like to know more about that car, specifically whoever the car belongs to. They also release additional audio. So originally, they released a man saying, down the hill. Now, they're releasing video, or I'm sorry, audio, 
um, where the guy is saying guys, and then there's like a splice in the tape down the hill, guys down the hill. And they're saying that the person who was talking on the audio is the suspect or bridge guy. And there is only one person talking. There isn't like a co-suspect. It's just this guy. Now, where they originally just had a still photo of bridge guy, now they have video of him. They release video of this dude walking across the bridge toward the girls. And law enforcement says, watch his mannerisms as he walks. So bridge guy, um, he was making his way pretty quickly across the bridge, which made people think he had been there before because this was a very dangerous, rickety, shaky bridge that um, it had broken rail ties and some that were missing. So one wrong step and you could like fall through the bridge. Um, and this guy was, he, his walking, he wasn't walking naturally due to the spacing of the bridge ties, but he was making his way across pretty quickly. So everyone who knows that bridge said, that guy's been there before. He wouldn't be moving like that. Now that's not the only thing that the, um, that the police released was this evidence from Libby's phone. They also released a new sketch and the new sketch is from new information and intelligence over time. They're saying it's the new sketch. He's the murderer. The first sketch is now secondary. And, um, if you've never seen the sketches, the first sketch looks like an older man, like maybe someone who's around 50 years old. Um, and this new sketch looks like a young man, you know, someone from late teens to about 40. So law enforcement says, yes, we've shifted gears. Law enforcement believes bridge guy is from Delphi. They wouldn't say that before. They said he could be a drifter, he could be this, he could be that, we don't know. No, he's from Delphi and he either lives here now or he has previously lived here. They believe Bridge Guy visits regularly if he doesn't live there or maybe he works there. He just knows Delphi really, really well. The evidence is pointing to. Again, Bridge Guy is 18 to 40 years old. Um, He may look younger than his age. Law enforcement believes that they have interviewed (laughs) Bridge Guy or someone close to him. Before they were saying, well, everyone we've interviewed, we've cleared. Now they're saying, "Uh uh-uh, we've interviewed him or someone close to him. And in fact, if you have seen this video of this press conference, Doug Carter's the one talking. You'd swear that the guy was in the room and that he was looking right at him because he was that... um, he was so emotional and so uh, um, dramatic in his speech. He was so impassioned when he was saying all this. Because I watched that conference. Um, you'd swear Bridge Guy was in the room. And I think uh, what was happening too is you, you had, um, there were actually cameras pointed 
on the people in the room, the locals, and you also had to sign in and out. You had to bring out your driver's license or your ID and show them your ID and sign in and sign out. And, um, and there were police around the perimeter of the room and they, you see them, they're just staring right into the crowd. It was intense. I'm, and I'm watching this going, oh my gosh, this guy is here. He's here. Oh my God. It was intense. Um, look at that video, April 22nd, 2019. Intense video. But anyway, um, <clears throat> they believe that they have interviewed Bridge Guy or someone close to him. And they said, this is about power to Bridge Guy. And that Bridge Guy wants to know what law enforcement knows. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they, they're into this guy's head. They know it. So again, <clears throat> Bridge Guy is between 5'6 and 5'10. And he weighs about 180 to 220 pounds. So um, additional information, um, two days later, Indiana State Police released an update of source of sorts to clarify some information from the press conference. And the clarifications are that the first sketch is not the suspect, but oddly enough, um, months later, Doug Carter said, well, if you take the first sketch together with the second sketch and you put them together, then we've got bridge guy. So these sketches are sketchy, if you will. It's, it's very hard to tell. Um, he, he says that the suspect looks to be in his 20s and 30s, but he could be older. But he, that's how he looks. He's younger looking. Um, he has a youthful appearance. And um, the second sketch or this new sketch was taken from the video of Libby's cell phone rather than an eyewitness. It's taken right from the video. So why did they have this about face um, with the two sketches? they didn't say. Now, there's been a lot of doxing um, with the release of the video and the audio and the sketches. People in the area or even like internet sleuths, they were trying to put together like who this guy could be. And um, there were people getting doxed. Like for instance, I won't even say his name because he's innocent, but there was a, um, a pastor who taught at a church that was near the trail where these girls disappeared. And he kind of looked like Bridge Kai. And he, he's kind of mm, like medium height, but maybe a little bit heavier. And he wore the same kind of clothing Bridge Guy does. But a lot of the guys in that area do. They wear blue jeans and they wear these flannel tops. And they look like, you know, they've been in the forest or that they're lumberjacks. They, they just kind of have that rugged look. And this pastor also did. And his face kind of sort of looked like the sketch. And he walked around with his hands in his pockets with his head down. So a lot of people were doxing this guy saying, that's him. And he could have he done, you know, that crime and then maybe went to the, the creek and bathed himself before he ended up at the church at five o'clock where he was going to teach. And then at 530, there was the, um, the search and he joined in on the search 
And they're saying he would have had enough time to do the crimes, get himself cleaned off, show up at the church to do his um, pastoring, um, and then join in on the on the um, search for the girls. And um, police were saying, you're ruining somebody's life doing that. And he's not the only one they did it to. There were a, a couple other people where they're like, that's the guy. We all know it's the guy. Go get him. He's the guy. And it's an innocent person. Now, there were persons of interest where the um, locals were like, you got to look at this guy. And police were like, yeah, we got to look at this guy. One of these guys um, is named Paul Etter, and he kidnapped and raped a woman near Canoe County. Horrible crime. I'm not going to go into it, um, but it was awful. And the girl was able to escape. She was 26 years old. She was able to escape and she went to the police who then um, surrounded his house and um, there was a five hour standoff. And during that five hour, or at the end of that five hour standoff, Paul Etter shot himself and um, DNA was searched and he is not the killer of Abby and Libby. So you can cross his name out and he can go to hell. Um, Daniel Nations, I, I um, mentioned him. Uh, he was a registered sex offender who also liked to threaten people along trails with a hatchet. Now, he's done this in several states, including Indiana. That's how they knew him. But now he was in Colorado and he was doing the same thing, you know, jumping out at people um, on trails with a hatchet. So there were a lot of similarities uh, between Nation and the Delphi crime scene. But as of February of 2018, Daniel Nations is no longer considered a serious person of interest. Thomas Bruce, another sexual assaulter and a murderer who wore clothing similar to that of Bridge Guy, and he is currently in prison for crimes committed in St. Louis. Now, there's people in the local neighborhood of Horace saying, you know, we think Bridge Guy is already in prison. And oftentimes they're referring to this guy. But there's been no evidence that it's him. Charles Eldridge is another uh, suspect or a person of interest. I'm sorry. I want to be careful with that. He's a person of interest. That guy is a child molester, and he resembles the first sketch. But again, police are not calling him a suspect. And finally, um, this is something that just happened recently. On April uh, of two, uh, sorry, April of 2021, James Brian Chadwell was arrested for the sexual assault and attempted murder of a nine-year-old girl in a town near Delphi. Now, everybody got their hopes up again, saying this is, this is definitely him. This is definitely him. And he's in jail now for what he did to the nine-year-old. But Libby's family is reporting that they don't think he's the guy they're looking for. So once again, the community got their hopes up that finally we've got the guy. They don't have the guy, at least as far as we know. Now, Kelsey German, now this is Libby's older sister. And if you remember, um, she is the one who dropped the girls off at the trail that day that they were murdered. Um, and she carries around a lot of guilt, uh, even though it's not her fault. 
But she's like, you know, it goes through my mind every day. I'm the one who dropped them off. So anyway, she, um, she walks those trails quite a bit. And she says um, that if you are not from the area, you would not even know that there were hiking trails near that part of Deer Creek and the Monin High Bridge. So she has a really hard time with that because she thinks a local did it or at least somebody who's very familiar with the area, but she has a really hard time imagining anyone from her community doing such a thing as a double homicide of two innocent young girls. Now, Kelsey is pursuing a criminal justice degree at Purdue, and she is on a lot of podcasts. Um, she appears on a lot of news shows to keep this, this um, case alive. And she's doing her own investigations. In fact, her grandmother tracks her phone now and calls when she sees that Kelsey is down at the trails. So um, Kelsey is also, or in res actually the rest of the family too, they're in constant contact with law enforcement. And um, that's, it gets discussed, is, is uh, law enforcement playing their cards close to the chest, or is this a cold case? And Kelsey, I mean, she has to, she has to believe that they're playing the case close to the chest, that they really just need one more puzzle piece before they figure out who this murderer is. But there's other people who are much more objective, um, who are saying this case has gone cold. But police insist that it is not that these cases can go on for years and you still find the guy that you, you're looking for. Um, so here we are four years later. Uh, Kelsey suffers panic attacks and thinks that any strange man who approaches her could be bridge guy. Again, any outside chance that anybody listening to this podcast knows who Bridge Guy is, I'm just going to remind you, you can submit a tip um, via email, Abby and Libby tip at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F dot com, or you can call the tip line 844 Five, I'm sorry, I'm going to do that again. Tip line 844-459-5786. If you know him, call him in. And now it's bedtime stories from the acoustic bookshelf. Um, I think a mood, a certain mood has been set here. So I'm going to end on this mood. I'm going to read a poem by Rudyard Kipling, and it is called Birds of Prey March. March, the mud is cake and good about our trousies. Front, eyes front, and watch the colored casins drip. Front, the faces of the women in their houses. Ain't the kinds of things to take aboard a ship. Cheer, and we'll never march to victory. 
cheer and will never live to hear the cannon roar. The large birds of prey, they will carry us away and you'll never see your soldiers anymore. Wheel, oh, keep your touch. We're going round a corner. Time, mark time, and let the men behind us close. Lord, the transport's full, and F our lot are not on here. Cheer, oh, cheer, we're going off where no one knows. March, the devil's none so black as he is painted. Cheer, we'll have some fun before we're put away. Alt and and air out, a woman's gone and fainted. Cheer, get on, God help the married men today. Oi, come up, you hungry beggars, to your sorrow. Ear them say they want their tea and want it quick. You won't have no mind for slingers, not tomorrow. No, you'll put the tween deck stove out, being sick. Alt the merry kit as all to go before us. Corsets blocked the bloomin' gangway again. Cheer, oh cheer, the horse guards watchin' tender over us, keepin' us since eight this mornin' in the rain. Stuck in heavy marches, orders sopped and ringin'. Sick before our time to watch her leavin' a, a fall. Here's your happy home at last and stop your singin'. Alt, fall in along the troop deck. Silence all. Cheer, for we'll never see. Cheer, for we'll never live to see no bloomin' victory. Cheer, and we'll never live to hear the cannon roar. One cheer more. The jackal and the kite have an healthy appetite, and you'll never see your soldiers anymore. Ip-a-roar. The eagle and the crow, they are waiting ever so, and you'll never see your soldiers anymore. ip roar Yes, the large birds of prey, they will carry us away, and you'll never see your soldiers anymore. Until next week, be safe. And buona notte.